are just a few of, of the myriad of scriptures that reference God being a God of covenants. The Jews, the, the chosen people of God for centuries, refer to themselves as people of the covenant because our God is a God of covenant. You go back through the scripture and he makes covenants with his people and that's the story of the Bible. He makes a covenant with Noah and says that he's putting a rainbow in the sky to show that he will never again destroy the earth by flood. He makes a covenant with Abram and he tells him, through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. He makes a covenant with Jacob and changes his name to Israel. He makes a covenant with Moses and with the children of Israel on Sinai and establishes himself as as God of these people. And on and on and on, he makes covenants. The prophets talk about covenants. Isaiah and Jeremiah will, will promise a new covenant that's coming because our God is a God of covenants. But in our society today, we don't talk a lot about covenants. We don't understand covenants. We're more of a contract kind of people. We, we like contracts, and, and we agree on terms. You do your part, I'll do my part. And if you mess up on your end, then I'm absolved from doing anything on my end. We're a people of contracts. But the problem arises when we try to put that contract mindset onto a covenant God. Because God is a God of covenant, not contracts. Covenant in the Old Testament is primarily a word that means to bind together. It gives this picture of of two halves being inextricably uh, attached to one another. almost, Almost glued, like two halves, like two sheets of paper glued to one another. That, That is the idea of covenant, a binding together. That's the promise of God. God says He is a God of covenant, a God who is faithful to His promise, even when our end of the promise is broken again and again and again. You see, while contracts are all about protecting yourself, a covenant is all about the good of the other party. And our God is a God of covenants. If you turn over to Genesis this morning, if you have your Bible... You're going to find God at work in the very beginning, the very beginning of creation. God makes the heavens and the earth, and He says it's good. God makes the land and and the sea, and He says it's good. God makes the plants. God makes the sun and the moon and the stars, and He says it's good. God makes the, the birds and the fish, and He says it's good. And God makes animals and man, and He says it's good. And then we get to one part where God says this is not good. In verse 18 of chapter 2, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Everything up to this point has been good, every part of creation. But God says man being alone is not good. So God wants to create a helper. Some of your versions say a helpmate, someone to come alongside him. Now, this is another one of those translation errors that that get botched when you're dealing with 400-year-old translations. But our idea of a helper is is an assistant. It's someone who is is doing something subservient, an intern, a secretary, a a, a helper. But, But that's not this word. 
This word is a word that God will use to refer to himself. So I don't think God's referring to himself as our secretary. This is someone who is going to come alongside you. This is a word that's used for fellow warriors. This is more like the Avengers instead of the Girl Scouts. You with me? This is another one of those words that we don't understand because it doesn't translate over into our language. And so at this point, God starts bringing all creation in front of Adam. He says, it's not good for you to be alone, so we're gonna bring, I'm going to bring everything in front of you. Now, we've always been taught that this is Adam naming. Emu, koala, uh, uh, kangaroo, uh, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is God's bringing these creations before Adam, and Adam's saying, that one's not like me. That one's not like me. That one's not like me. And on and on and on, until all of them have been before him, and Adam says, none of those are like me. And God says, this is still not good, so I'm going to make your helper. I'm going to make another. And so God creates one. And if you look at the text, Adam is overjoyed. This one is like me. This one's the same as me. I've looked at everything in creation and none of it's like me. This one is like me. And in Genesis 2 verse 24, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We've often heard this cited as leave and cleave. He will leave his father and mother and cleave is the old word that that was translated there. Many of us grew up with that translation. But the idea is to be bound together. It's the idea of two halves being inextricably attached to one another. Like two pieces of paper glued to one another. It's being linked. It's being bonded. It's being in covenant with one another. Now we call that covenant marriage. That's our word that we use for that covenant. But that covenant is something that is a reflection of our God because our God is a God of covenant. And that covenant of marriage is something that was created and instituted right here in Genesis by our God. This is a process by which we leave the comfort and safety of childhood and we enter into a holy union. A union that is bound together with another person in a covenant relationship. Bound together by a covenant God. Now, if you pick up some German dictionaries even today, and you read through them, you'll see beside some of the words a, 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 little, a little phrase that says NZ. And basically what that is is a reference saying that these are words that during the the Third Reich, during the Nazi uh, uh, rule of Germany, that they changed the meaning of those words. And, And anytime you see somebody trying to change the meaning of words, you need to be a little bit nervous because that's where it ends up. Our culture today is trying to change the meaning of the word marriage. And... That's hard because as our society attempts to do that, it's trying to meddle with something that's created by God. Marriage is a holy covenant created by a holy God. Now, but before we go pointing the finger at culture, we have to own up to our part in this. Because the, the holiness of marriage was sacrificed a long time ago by the church. Because we allow the state, to have control over something that is created by God. We shouldn't do that. 
Once we let the state in, then we can't complain when the state wants to change the meaning of the word. But it doesn't change the fact that, call it whatever you want, marriage is still a holy union between a man and a woman created by God. You can, call it a, you can have a social contract because that's what any kind of union without God would be. The holiness of marriage is holy because God is the one doing the joining. This is God's creation. And it's a covenant. It's a man and woman being bound together. When you stand before the audience on your wedding day, you ever wondered why you say these things twice? You make these vows and then you answer the questions? Or you answer the questions then you make the vows? Because you're making the vows to your partner. You're saying, I promise to do this for you. And I promise to do this for you. But the questions you're answering before God, You're making a covenant. And you're saying, I promise God that I'm going to do this. Now, before you get all wound up, there's somebody saying, Jeff's up there blasting divorce. And and no, that's not what I'm saying. Jesus says that that we were allowed to divorce because we're hard-hearted mortals. We're allowed to break that holy covenant of marriage because of our hard heart, not because He was giving us a get-out-of-marriage-free card. There's nowhere where Jesus is saying, oh, well, but this. He's sticking with God's plan, and God says back in Malachi that He hates divorce. That that, that's not something that, that, that He ever wants to happen. But that doesn't mean that, that if you're there, that, that you're supposed to stay there no matter what. Because I'll hear people say, well, Jeff, what about, what about abuse? What about abusive relationships? Are you saying that God doesn't want you to, to step away from that? Well, first of all, if you're in a relationship that is abusive, whether it's physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever, you need to get out of that. And yes, I said that. I didn't say you had to be divorced, but I said you need to get out of that situation because that is not a covenant relationship. Regardless of what you've been taught, you can break the covenant without ever taking your pants off. And covenant is broken when we don't treat one another as Christ treats the church. So, if you're in a a relationship where you're being abused, I'm going to tell you again, you get out of that because that is not a covenant relationship. On the other side, if you are bullying, belittling, or beating your spouse, all I can say to you is that if you're willing to to lay a hand on a precious child of God and abuse something that is made in the image of the holy God of creation and think there won't be repercussions for that, then you're not just a coward, you're a fool. Be real blunt. So what I'm trying to say this morning is what Jesus is saying about marriage in Matthew 19. Jesus says, Have you not read that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said to them, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Who cleaves a man to his wife? God. Who binds that covenant together? God. What is the glue that seals that covenant? God. Marriage is God's creation. It's God's idea. And apart from God, it's merely a social contract. 
If you want to create a social contract and have tax breaks or whatever, that's not my business. That's the state's business, but it's not marriage. Marriage is created by God, and only God can join it together and make it holy. It's time for the church, us, to take back the right of marriage. We gave it away. We messed up. But we don't have to leave it there. We need to take it back and say, you do what you want to, state, but the church is going to be responsible for God's holy creation of marriage. Because we're going to move away from contracts, and we're going to focus in on covenants. Can you imagine if you went to a a wedding, and it was contract language? Well, now, in the party of the first part, as long as they do this, then the party of the second part agrees to do, you, you know, that's what contract language, right? We don't do that, do we? We use covenant language. We say, I promise you that for better or for worse. I promise you that when it gets as bad as it can get, I'm going to still be here. I promise you in sickness and in health. I promise you for richer or for poorer. I promise you. I vow to you. I make a covenant with you. We make promises. This morning, we're going to do some different things because we're stepping in the direction of taking back the covenant of marriage. And there are a couple of things that we're going to do. First, as we adjourn this morning, there's going to be a meal and a reception prepared over here in the fellowship hall. If you're visiting with us, I, I, I beg you, encourage you, come be a part of that. Nobody brought anything. You don't have to worry about, I didn't bring a dish. We don't care. We would like for you to come and join us because we are going to celebrate those marriages in this congregation that, that have lasted longer than 50 years. Surprisingly, there's a lot of them, and that's rare in our culture today, in our contract culture, for marriages to last past 50 years. But we're going to honor those, and we're going to hold them up as, as uh, this is what we're all trying to get to. Um, we're going to uh, honor those, we're going to celebrate those, and, and as a body, we are going to honor and lift up marriage. Because that's what we want to be about. We want to be people of covenant who lift up marriages. That means that as a body, we're not just going to do it on certain Sundays when we lift up the the 50 plus marriages. That means we're going to do it all the time. That means instead of gossiping about whether whether, uh, Jimmy and Janie are having problems, we're going to try to come alongside them and help hold them up. We're going to try to bless those marriages. We're going to try to to pray over those marriages. Um, I'll tell you, I've talked with church members before who say they went through the entire process of a divorce. And you know what they heard from the church? Nothing. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Not that people get divorced, but that as as Christians, that the church... The church who is supposed to be the village, the church that is supposed to be the people of God that hold one another up, had nothing to say, had nothing to do, could not step into that space and help. We're going to stop that. We're going to repent of that. We're going to confess to God that, hey, we're sorry, God. We're sorry that we don't take your holy creation of marriage as serious as you do. 
We're going to repent that the divorce rates in the church are just as high as those outside of the church. Because we want to lift up marriage and make it something that is a holy covenant. So, that's hard for us to do. As a church, we want to hold up marriages as holy. As a church, we want to, we want to honor the covenant that God's created. And so as part of that, this morning, we're going to sing a song right now, and, and we're not going to do the traditional altar call invitation. If, if you're subject to that invitation this morning, if you're feeling uh, the Holy Spirit convicting your heart, that's not Jeff, that's the Holy Spirit that you're hearing there. If you're hearing that, come on, come to the front, and we'll be glad to help you. That's always, there's not a, just a certain time that that's available, that's any time. Okay, but right now, our shepherds, I'm going to ask them to walk around the room as we sing this song, and I'm going to ask them to just pray over marriages, um, just randomly. So if, if a shepherd prays over you, it's not, well, they think we're in trouble. That's not it. You're not in trouble. But, but I have asked them to pick random couples and just to pray a blessing over you, just to put their hands on you and say, God, bless this marriage and move on. So... That's the idea of what's going to happen right now. So don't be freaked out if somebody comes and prays over you. We're, we're trying to uh, take back marriage, but we're also trying to be a people of prayer. We're trying to be a people who lift our marriages and our lives up before God. And so that's what we're going to do during this song. But again, this morning, if, if you're feeling a conviction in your heart, if you're feeling, hey, you know, it's it's... It's, it's time for me to, to take a step in that direction. It's time for me to think about uh, stepping into marriage. It's time for me to think about um, stepping into repentance. It's time for me to think about confessing before God. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, let us help you because that's what we're here for. If you, if that, you need that, then I encourage you to come as we sing. Everybody else, we're going to stand together. And we're going to lift up our voices as we lift up our marriages before the Lord.